that's what you always have to keep in mind when you're thinking about podcasting just in a general sense is, is really it's all about the connection with the listener and, it's, and the listener can help the podcaster and the podcaster can help the listener. It's really an interactive benefit relationship that basically can be created. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that the advancements in the web and mediums like podcasting are more vital than ever for keeping us connected. Today's guest believes that podcasting is going to be crucial in how we connect in the era of COVID-19 and well beyond the pandemic. This is your host, Bridget Lyons, and today on Podcast Ally, I'm bringing you a conversation with Rob Greenlee. Rob got his start in podcasting all the way back in 2004 when he hosted the first nationally syndicated radio show, Web Talk World Radio Show. Rob was later inducted into the Podcasters Hall of Fame in 2017 for all of his different contributions to the medium. Today, he serves as the Vice President of Content and Partnerships at Libsyn. He also co-hosts the New Media Show, which is a weekly audio and video podcast that streams live on newmediashow.com forward slash live. I brought Rob onto Podcast Ally to speak with me about the trends that we can be aware of as we look to the future of podcasting. We're looking to the future by looking back at how podcasting got its start and what were the forces that were driving podcasting. Rob joined me to talk about what it was like being a pioneer in the podcast space, what he sees as being the key differences between podcast and audio, and how today they are influencing each other. We talked about the benefits and also some of the risks of all of the advertising that is flooding into the podcast space now. We had a really fun diversion into how comedians completely change the trajectory of podcasts and how we owe so much of what podcasting is about today to the early comedians on the medium. And he also shares a little bit about why he believes podcasters should create content that they're most passionate about rather than focusing so heavily on what they think their audience wants. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Rob. I sure did. Let's dive in. Well, Rob, thank you so, so much for joining me. When we first connected, I had about a billion topics in mind that I wanted to ask you about because of your long history in podcasting. But then I heard you have a conversation on the new media show all about the different kinds of changes that podcasts are going in. You guys talk about you know the changes and the trends in podcasting a lot. And I really wanted to dig into those with you today and get some of your insights for those of us who maybe don't have the long history in podcasting and the professional background to kind of understand all the things that are happening. So I thought, though, you could start off maybe by talking a little bit about what it was like when you started podcasting, because you were in this space before I think even the word podcast was coined. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's correct. And, and Bridget, it's, it's, it's great to be with you on the show. I appreciate the, the invite to the show. But uh, yeah, in the early days of the podcasting space, uh, I mean, really, I started out on the radio. So I, you know, I always want to share that little piece because I got started on the radio in uh, 1999. Uh, walked into a radio station in Seattle and started doing a show that was uh, discussing the growth and development of the World Wide Web and the Internet. So that was the, the topic that I started podcasting about. That was the context that was important back in that era, um, was the what was happening with the Internet and the Web and how that was transforming our culture and society and business. And so that's how I got started on this. And then in 2004, 
I made that show, that radio show that I was on 15 radio stations and on the XM satellite radio network for a couple of years into a podcast. So I, it was really just taking the audio and making an MP3 file and linking to it in my blog RSS feed um, that, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I was a podcast. Um, at the time, for me, it really wasn't a big thing because I, I was already making my downloadable um, audio file available off my website. I actually had been doing that since 2000. So the growth that was available from podcasting back in 2004 wasn't really that much. I mean, it was starting to grow and it was part of my bigger kind of distribution strategy that I had, which was mainly getting audience listening via streaming. Because if you think back to that time, most people were connecting to the internet via dial-up modes. And those those connections were actually pretty slow. They were like 28K, maybe 56K type of connections, uh, which are relatively slow compared to what we all get today, which is, you know, 20, 30 megabytes per second. So it's it's a quantum leap difference. And so what I had to do was trickle my my download and my audio out to my audience. And most of my show was streamed at about uh, 32K, uh, which is just um, could saturate a 28.8 modem connection. So I was hoping that most of my listeners were fairly technically advanced and were on 56K modems, which would give them enough bandwidth to be able to listen to my show live or, or on demand live. So, so streaming was really important in the early days because it was able to play within the bandwidth limitations that existed during that time. And, but as things grew and developed and DSL came out, um, those speeds picked up and, you know, podcasting started to, to grow because of um, the ubiquity of uh, mobile phones and their, their connections to the internet all the time. Yeah, I, I always thought that I was listening to podcasts fairly early. I think I started listening to podcasts about seven years ago, but definitely not as early as some of my friends who used to download them and put them on their like iPods, the iPod shuffles and things like that. I definitely wasn't um, up on the podcast game until I actually had an iPhone to listen to it on. And it's always fascinating to me to hear people who are that much of an early adopter and that much ahead of the curve. I am really fascinated by this whole topic about kind of what a podcast is. So, and you've just brought this up for me because I think that sometimes when we talk about, you know, I want to start a podcast or I want to reach out to podcasts, it's like, it's both a distribution channel. So you have lots of radio shows who, you know, distribute their podcasts on the platforms that we have, but it's also, I think a medium, right? It's like, it's this weird thing. I'm curious what you think about that and how you kind of define what podcasts are now. Well, I think that there's basically two sides to the equation. There's um, the listener and then there's the creator. And I think uh, when you look at podcasting from the bigger perspective, the podcaster looks at podcasting as a method of distribution. And it's an RSS feed, it's a downloadable medium, and those are the, the important characteristics. But to a listener, podcast is really a type of content. Um, that's very different and distinct from radio, which most listeners are, are accustomed to today. Podcasting gives you a, a spectrum of content choices that is far beyond anything that's available on the radio side. So it has a unique characteristic to it from the standpoint of the, the niche aspects of the medium, as well as um, just the number of 
of shows that are available and just the wide spectrum of topics that can be covered in a podcast. And then there, there's another piece to it too that makes it unique. And that is the, the context of the content. It tends to be very personal. Uh, it tends to be very authentic. Um, and, and I think in this day and age, I think podcasts tend to be a little bit more trustworthy in the space. Because one of the reasons that podcasting was a little slow to develop in the early days of the medium is because it aligned pretty closely with the development of social media. So podcasting started in 2004. Uh, Facebook really started to take off in like 2006, 2007. Uh, so you started to, you know, social media, YouTube, uh, Facebook really took people's attention away from podcasting as a medium. And what we're seeing now is uh, people's interest in social media is a little bit kind of flatlined now. People are not as interested in it. And um, some people are backing away from social media uh, just because it's it's shown to be a, not as trusted of a medium. And, and consequently, what we're seeing now is podcasting is coming into its own right now. And so that's that's kind of an interesting kind of dynamic as you look to the the history and the patterns that you've seen around podcasting over the last 15 plus years. I feel like there's a whole five hour conversation and everything you just said. Right. Um, right. But you queued up so perfectly. One of the biggest things that I have been keeping an eye on and just for people listening, I want to share some of my biases because I think it's important to know where people are coming from. So early in my career, I wasn't self-employed yet. I was really involved in kind of the early design blog community. So I'm sitting in my PR agency office dreaming about, you know, all the different things I could do with a design blog. I started lifestyle blogging. I used to contribute to some of the bigger design blogs and I saw at that time, exactly what you're talking about, that a lot of small independent bloggers were really trusted by their audiences. They formed these really close bonds. You know, we used to have a lot of meetups. I've met people from all over the world that I still am friends with today, 10, 15 years later. I mean, it was just an amazing time. And then a lot of advertising money started flooding the blogosphere and it changed in a big way. And I have to say, I have some concerns about what is going to happen with podcasting now that it's gone quote mainstream <laughs> and, and if that's going to erode any of that trust. And I know you've talked on your show, the new media show a little bit about some of the changes in the trends in the industry. And I'd be really curious if, um, sort of, first of all, am I totally off base that I just calm down <laughs> And um, what do you think are some of the things that we should be kind of looking out for as trends and changes in the industry as more advertising money comes in this space? Do you think that's going to erode that trust that we all have with podcasts? Well, I think there is a little bit of a danger of that, but I think that the, the bigger picture of the advertising side in podcasting is that um, it's not a majority of the, of the space. It's um, advertising is coming into maybe the, the top, um, two to 5% of all the podcasts that are out there. So the risk of erosion of that trust relationship with audiences is pretty minor in the picture of, of just the scope of the advertising space in podcasting. There's still the vast majority of shows that don't have any advertising that, that really focus on building those trust relationships and focus on building host listener um, uh, bonds that, uh, that, are never going to be corrupted by any kind of bias that are related to a commercial interest. Um, and, but there are going to be some shows that are going to try and walk that line, right. Of having advertising and trying to create revenue from their podcasts. 
so that is always a risk, especially as we look at the influences of, of radio getting involved in podcasting, because one of the reasons that podcasting exists today and has existed for the last 16 years is an inverse reaction to um, over-commercialization on radio. So, um, you know, the very early days of this medium, um, it wasn't really very cool to have advertising in your podcast. So um, a lot of people had a very negative reaction to any show that had advertising in it, uh, just because that wasn't the culture of the medium when this medium started. It was anti-commercialism. It was very much kind of a stick it to the man medium. It was like, you know, commercial radio and big money interests were thought of as a bad thing. And, and what, what we wanted to do is this concept of pirate radio, right? It's the concept of, you know, you're free to do what you want to do. You're free to, to talk about things that you can't talk on the radio. I mean, that was, that was really the founding um, concept behind uh, podcasting. And as you think about the timing of the 2004 timeframe, that was just a couple of years after the whole Napster era where um, people were ripping music and doing music file sharing. So it was a very much of a revolutionary time uh, as you saw kind of digital media and digital things starting to transform the, the, the world. And it's, a, it's kind of an ironic conversation to talk about that today because of the changes that we're seeing in the world right now. Um, and I don't think anybody's really talked about this as the, the next evolution of transformation of digital in our world around us is because of this virus outbreak uh, is going to even push us further down the digital path. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're talking, I mean, in my mind too, is coming up some of these things that are different about podcasts and blogs. I mean, one of the things that happened with blogs is because you have all these links, right? And so it was all about, I'm not going to talk about anything that I'm not going to get paid for. And the podcast ad model is different. And so even if you have, you know, I, and I don't want to come across thinking ads and sponsorships are bad. I don't. I mean, I'm a small business owner. I know that, you know, I don't want to try to say those things are bad. I think what happened a lot in the blogosphere is that people started only talking about and recommending, especially in specific industries, things that they were going to get paid for. And that kind of erodes the trust because you start out by saying, well, I only recommend things I absolutely love and I get paid for. But then when it's only the things you're getting paid for, I think you kind of have that erosion. And podcast is a different medium um, and it's longer form. And I think there's a lot of different ways that you're right. There's, it's not going to be the same thing. So thank you for calming some of my fears on that. <laughs> yeah. You just mentioned the virus and I think it would be good to talk about that. But I think first, I'm really curious on hearing, are there other big moments like this? Like if you could track some of the biggest pivotal turning points in the podcast industry and how people were thinking about podcasting, are there a couple of things that you've kind of seen be big evolutions up to now? Yeah, there's been um, quite a few inflection points, really. If, if you think back to the history of the, of the medium, there was you know kind of the birth of some new content genres in the medium. I, I think one of the biggest inflection points in the past was when the comedians joined the medium and you started to see a lot of, a lot of comedians join in. That was like in the 2008 to 2010 timeframe was really, I think when we saw a um, big inflection of interest in the podcasting space, which was a little bit pre serial, which was the next big leap also. Um, so, so what was interesting about the comedians in that, um, section of time 
And that was around the same time as the economic mortgage crisis that we went through was kind of a little bit of a downturn in podcast advertising as well. And so you saw this kind of the, the comedians come in at a time when, when um, the economic um, situation was a little bit rough and people were looking for humor and, and looking for that type of content. And what was interesting about the comedians that I was going to say was uh, they brought a very personal perspective and it made a lot of connections with people because typically if you think about comedians, they do tend to be a little bit of troubled humans. So they have a lot of history and they have a lot of struggles, personal struggles themselves. And what you started to hear the comedians do was talk about some of those personal struggles that they had in their own lives. And they, they tried to make fun of it, um, but they combined the, the humor with the personal struggles. And it really started to connect with a lot of people out there that were going through some of the same things. So in some ways, um, the comedian podcasters were a little bit almost like a, you know, like a counselor to millions of people. Um, that were going through challenging times in their, their own lives, whether it be alcoholism or drug abuse or, um, or those type of topics were oftentimes talked about in the comedy podcasts. And they tried to make light of it and they tried to make fun of it, but they also tried to share their, their struggles with it. And I think that really reached audiences at a very deep level. I know I saw a couple of documentaries that came that, that were produced by some comedians about their podcast and what they had experienced with it because it was so profound uh, was the connection that they had with their audiences. So when they went out and did a gig or whatever, those listeners would come to their gig. And after they had gotten up on stage, they would basically come up and want to give the the comedian a big hug because of how transformational um, their sharing had been to them uh, about their own lives and their own struggles and things like that. So that was one of the the key things that I saw happen in the early days of the meeting that really pointed out how impactful this medium is in a very personal way to, to audiences. Gosh. And so as we're recording, it is late March, 2020, and we are at the beginning, the middle, who knows, of the coronavirus outbreak pandemic. And as you talk about that, I'm thinking about my own podcast listening habits. Last night I listened to, I was feeling really stressed out. It was actually a comedy podcast. <laughs> so very funny. Uh, the by the book podcast, which is kind of comedy self-help. It's very funny. And the other one that I've been recommending to my friends is also um, Roman Mars's show 99% invisible because I don't think you can be stressed out listening to that man talk. <laughs> yeah, right. He is a very soothing um, talker. Yeah. And I was I was recommending the podcast specifically to some moms. Like they're twenty minutes. It'll de-stress you. <laughs> you know, it's it's not what he's talking about. It's how we sense it, right? It's not, yeah. I just I even said to them, it doesn't even matter which topic you pick. Just make an episode. <laughs> You're right on the money. So I think that's I think that's right on though. As we look at the kinds of content people are going to look for now, I think. That is a good model of what do people need in a crisis? And it's not all entertainment. I mean, in the small business community, there's just a lot of people looking for guidance and ideas. But yeah, I, I'd be curious of what kind of other impacts you think that we're going to have um, coming out of all this. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's still a little bit un, unknown. But if you look at, if you apply a little bit of the history, I, I think like what I was just saying about how people are going to look to this medium to be helpful in their own struggles in their own lives could be, you know, one of two things. It could be a huge opportunity for, for podcasters, 
but it can also be a huge opportunity for listeners too. And that's what you always have to keep in mind when you're thinking about podcasting just in a general sense is, is really it's all about the connection with the listener. The listener can help the podcaster and the podcaster can help the listener. It's really an interactive benefit relationship that that's basically can be created. Not all podcasts can pull it off though. I mean, that's, that, that's the thing. It, it depends on the personality of the podcaster and their, their ability to connect with other people too. So, you know, not everyone can do that. So it does take a little bit of a special talent and also a recognition of uh, what is needed um, on the part of the, the listener and having some feelings of, you know, some empathy with their audience and to also, you know, have this, this blend between humor, um, you know, deep, deep information and authenticity, I, I think are the three keys to making this work. And like I said, not everybody can pull it off, but ones that can, can really, really make an impact. Do you have any examples for those of us thinking, what are you talking about? Like any podcasts that we should go check out that you think are doing this really well, or yeah, anybody you point to? Well, I think if you look at even the Apple podcast top 200 lists, I think most most of the podcasts that you see that are doing well are are are, are really doing some aspect of this. So, else they wouldn't have built the the uh, audience and following that, that that they have. So, I would just look in the top 200 list for the show that looks you know fascinating to you, and and chances are it's doing these type of things. I think going to comedian podcasts is is always a, a fairly safe bet that they're they're going to be reflective of what's happening in the world because that's typically what they do. They they're people that are very connected to social dynamics and and try and apply some humor to that. And um, doing that creates that type of atmosphere in the podcast. So you know, find your favorite comedian and see what they're up to and and see what they're talking about because they may be talking about things that may be very helpful to you. But then there's also podcasts that are talking about psychology and talking about various aspects of how to be more successful in your life and, and can, can share tips around, you know, trying to face uncomfortable situations, um, you know, and, and trying to work your way through things. But it's a shows that can apply some humor, some deep knowledge and experience to, to, to what's going on and bring on, you know, terrific guests, you know, but it doesn't always have to involve a guest, but that certainly can add a, a unique dynamic to a particular podcast um, to have a variety of, of voices. I mean, that, that's the type of podcast that I like to do. I like to do podcasts with other people. I mean, I'm not really what, what you would call, what a person would call a solo caster, um, which is a person that just turns on the mic and starts talking. I like to have conversations with people and, and, but that's just me. But, uh, but that's, you know, some people have the skill to solo cast. Some people have the skill to conversate with others and, and, you know, also to, to do a show that has guests or to do a show with the co-host, whatever, takes a little bit of pressure off you too, but it also forces you to be a little bit more of a conversationalist and, and listen too. And that's a big factor too, that distinguishes between a solo caster and a, and a group caster is what I call them is the ability to listen to others and to be able to respond and have a conversation. Yeah. I, I think that all of what you said is so true. I, I had an interview with Tara McMullen of the what works podcast, and she talked about how 
she gets up in the morning and views listening to different podcasts as kind of part of her job, which, you know, I think it can be like so many of us listen to podcasts for pleasure, but it can be really useful to listen to podcasts from a variety of genres. And even when I was thinking about this show, I was listening to some of my favorite podcasts, both interview podcasts, but other ones. And just like, what do they do that I like? Like, what are they doing that is the reason why I don't miss a single episode? Is there anything that I'd want to bring into my own show or not? And just analyzing that. And I think you can take that same mind to, if you feel like there's a podcaster that you really connect with, trying to listen from that perspective of like, what are they actually doing here? A little bit of craft development, I think is super important. That's something that's definitely on my mind as a new podcaster, <laughs> you know, trying trying to actually think about this as a skill set that I can work on and and develop. Which do you have any tips for that specifically? I mean, you come from the radio background and into podcasting. So I'd love to know if there's anything else that really helped you develop your own craft with podcasting. I would say, I mean, coming out of radio, I did radio for about five years, something like that. Um, but I did take my my show out of the radio studio after about a year and a half. And I started to produce my program in my own bedroom. Uh, I built my own studio that had multiple microphones and Skype connections and phone capabilities. So I could take regular phone calls back in, back in the 2004, five, six timeframe. And and that was a big um, step for me as I was pre-producing um, everything I, I wasn't doing anything live back in those days. I was trying to record my show. I, at the time, I I had a full time job that I was working for for software companies, online companies back in the dot com era, and so I was having to record segments of my show throughout the week, and then it would come out on Saturdays. So I would have you know um, co-hosts come into my bedroom and actually record in my studio and then uh, and then on Friday nights we would edit everything together into one audio file and then I would uh, burn it to a CD and I would take it down to the to like three different radio stations in the Seattle market and just give them a CD and then they would play that at 11 a.m. on Saturday mornings and then I was also on a public radio station too I would I took a half hour version of my show and made it available on a public station as well on a different day later in the week I was trying to play with a lot of the different um, ways of getting on the air on the radio side, but um, I was really more focused on the online side, the online distribution of my show since, you know, since late uh, 1999, actually, is when I started posting links to my show uh, right off my website. So that was really the focus. I mean, because the topic of the show was about the growth and development of the internet and the web. So I was trying to be a, be a reflection of that. The show was called the Web Talk World Radio Show, and so that's the topic that that I covered on the show, from a culture perspective to technology perspective, and the whole spe- you know the whole spectrum there. And talked about how we, I could see in the trends at the time that we were going to shift to a mobile world where all these mobile devices were going to be connected to the internet wirelessly. I could see the technology developing back in those days to get us to a point. And then when 2007 hit, you know, when the iPhone hit, that's when everything started to transform. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many aspects, right? There's like developing the content, finding the time, developing the technical capabilities. (laughs) It seems so simple when you're like, I'm going to start a podcast and then you get into it. It's like, no. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, now it's so much easier to to start a podcast. I mean, the audio equipment. I mean, I spent twenty thousand dollars on my studio back then, uh, and now you can you can do everything that you would want to do for you know, boy, for like a less than a thousand bucks, you can have a professional sounding podcast. So it's it's uh, it's a different time, you know. I mean, a lot of people can just do it on their phones now. You don't even have to have a mixer and a professional microphone I mean, you just get a microphone that plugs into the bottom of your iPhone, you know, that, that has terrific sound. So, you know, the opportunity is still there and I think it's still early for podcasting, you know, it's 16 years. Um, you know, if you think of radio, radio has been around for almost 40 years now. So, and, and I don't think that podcasting is going to be uh, reinvented by another medium anytime soon, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> I always wonder about that. Like, all right, what's the next frontier? And exactly, what's next beyond podcasting, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there's only so many formats of taking information. We've got video, audio. I guess sensory in some format. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that there is going to be derivatives of this that's going to happen in the future based on technology. You know, who knows? You know, ten years from now what technology we've invented that will, you know, give a, a new opportunity. Uh, it's, it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to think that far out sometimes. I'd be really curious of your perspective on when a podcaster is thinking about this audience. I know that a lot of people, when they start podcasting, think about how do I grow my audience, find more people, how important is that for growth versus kind of focusing on the people in front of you? Like, do you, do you feel any, I don't want to say conflict. I don't think they're in conflict, actually. I think that they work together. But I'm curious about how you feel about those conversations that people have about focusing on growing their audience and finding them and all of that. Well, I think it's very important. I, I think a lot of the motivation that podcasters have or people that get into the medium is that they want to grow their, their you know, I hate to use the term, but tribe or grow their following or grow those that um, have like-minded desires to share a particular topic area, right? I mean, if you think of podcasting as an affinity group, I think it's a good way to think about it because what what a podcaster needs to do and needs to think about is what type of show do they want to do? You know, I know that there's a little bit of conflicting information out there, especially coming out of the commercial radio side around uh, what should drive your show. Commercial radio likes to think of, well, let's think of the audience. What does the audience want, okay? Podcasting at its root is what does the podcaster want? And if you have to decide which side of this equation you want to live on, because being a podcaster and podcasting because you have a passion about something and you want to cover something in, in a certain way uh, will keep you podcasting, number one, and it will also keep you dialed into where your passions are and it, you can sustain that. And one of the things that it's, it's almost like a self-filtering uh, way of thinking about it because those that have like minds to what you're doing will tend to follow you, right? Or on the commercial radio side, they, they take talent and then they try and change the person to adapt to the market, right? And what that creates is a little bit less of an authentic experience. It creates, they're, they're trying to fabricate something to appeal to an audience versus being real and being authentic and being focused on what the content creator wants to create, right? 
And I, you know, when I talk to radio stations about podcasting, I try and drive that message to them as if they're used to trying to take talent and trying to change them to be appealing in some way versus looking at the talent, what their passions are and what they like to talk about and pointing that way for podcasting. And sure, they can be on the radio and do a morning talk show that maybe isn't very authentic or very much real to who they are as people. They can do that for the radio and that's fine. But so when you create a podcast, though, with that same talent, talk to that talent or talk to that, that host and say, what topics do you want to talk about? What makes you excited in the morning to get up and co- create a podcast about that? And that's really, I think, what the distinction is. It's more about, um, you know, it's more about the podcaster and what they want to talk about. And the audience will follow from that versus trying to position yourself to appeal to some general audience out there that's not as authentic. This is really fascinating. And I caught an episode on your own podcast where you talk about this a little bit about, it was really, it was a short conversation, but if you are a podcaster and you have a big brand or even VC venture capitalist funding wanting to come to your podcast, that they're going to want to think of you as quote, the talents and not necessarily also as the producer and the, the kind of the driving force behind the content. And you kind of caution about that. Like if you're going to put your contract together with them, make sure that <laughs> you're maintaining control. I found that to be such an interesting conversation and I'm glad you brought that up. You just kind of blew my mind with this a little bit. I'm sitting here trying to ask you a question and like also react. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's, it's really fundamental to the medium and, and a lot of people don't see that distinction. And I think that's one of the reasons that the radio industry has really struggled to embrace podcasting is because it's such a different way of thinking about content creation. And that's why you see like iHeartRadio buying a podcasting company versus creating something internal within iHeartRadio or Cumulus, you know, buying a podcast company versus creating something internal is because it is a different um, ideology that goes into the content creation process. And you have to think about it differently, though. I do see this influence on radio trying to push, you know, if you do a podcast, you know, you know, take talent and then make it you know, make it fit the audience, right? And the problem is that's it's not going to work in podcasting. Yeah, it, it brings back. So I, I've been to a few podcast conferences and a, long, a few years ago, I went to one of the early podcast movements and it was when it was in Chicago, which is my hometown. When I was there, I was really struck by the disconnect that I felt like was happening and some of the content, not all of it, it was a great conference, but some of the content really did seem very specific to the concerns of people who have this radio background that didn't really seem connected at all to the indie podcasters that I knew and was working with. Like it just, and I've been to more conferences recently and the divide doesn't feel as great, but it was very stark to me then. And I thought, huh, what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, it's, the divide is still there. uh, And I think that there, there is starting to, I think, a recognition on on the the kind of the, the old line kind of radio side to, to to look at podcasting in a little different way. There is an interest in in uh, thinking about podcasting from a more original content perspective, and that will take them down this path of of doing something you know, original, not just taking what they do or the methodologies that they do on radio and then pushing that out as a podcast. 
Um, and I think that is really what you're talking about. And I think also at Podcast Movement, where, where you were getting that impression was there was a separate track that was created for, you know, broadcasters, me podcasters track, which I thought was, it was probably okay, you know, a few years ago. But I've also been encouraging that event to say, you know, I think it's time to drop that and and just have the, the radio folks blend in with everybody else, right? Let's not draw an artificial line between broadcasters and podcasters, even though it says, you know, broadcasters meet podcasters. It, it still created a divide. It created an area in that event where radio people felt more comfortable, right? My thought is the whole point that they're there is to make radio people feel inclusive in the podcasting space and to maybe feel them a little uncomfortable. <laughs> so, I love that. which I think is a little bit the idea of why they're, why they're there is to get them thinking differently. Right. Not the same. Yeah. And when you think about, you know, how a, a radio, like a network has to put content together, the appeal has to be so broad, right? I mean, obviously you're putting together an audience, but the advertising model is pushing you to reach as many people as possible the appeal of a podcast is how niche a content can be and that you're able to find, I love that you said affinity group, your affinity group that is really deep diving into that one thing that you really, really love and want to nerd out on. That is a bit of a conflict, like right there, you know, because you don't need as many listeners to make a podcast work for you, whether you have a model where you're a business owner and doing podcasts to feed your business, or if you want to go the sponsor model, or if you want to do, you know, be kind of the talent for a brand. I know people who do that kind of thing too, but the audience doesn't have to be as large to make that kind of model work really, really well for you. Right. And in some ways having a niche audience like that is more valuable, especially to an advertiser. Uh, so certain genres of advertisers say, you know, it's hard for them to reach certain audiences or certain groups of people. And if a podcast can aggregate those people um, that that particular company wants to reach, uh, that can be a very valuable sponsorship opportunity for, for those companies. And it doesn't have to be based on a CPM model. It can just be, you know, spending $250 for, uh, for a mention of their company in this podcast, no matter what the audience size is. So sponsorship versus advertising is something that, you know, you as a podcaster need to weigh what the best course is. If, if your numbers are not really high, then the advertising model is probably not the right model. It's more of a sponsorship model. Um, so there, there's a lot of podcasters that don't even worry about advertising. They're, they're doing a show and they promote their own book or their own products or their own services that they do or their own workshops. And that's, that generates revenue for them. And that, that's what they're, they're doing the podcast for is to help them with their own business. So there's the whole spectrum here and it doesn't have to be focused on advertising. And I think oftentimes what we've seen in the medium over the last couple of years is constant focus on advertising as what's so important in podcasting. And it just, it's just, it's a small part of podcasting. It's not the big picture of what's happening in the medium, which is so many different ways, ways of doing this and so many different models that a podcast can be successful at. Yeah. I mean, I know podcasters who have like the Being Boss podcast, you know, they've had a company actually sponsor their 
I don't know if sponsorship is the correct technical word, but I'll use it. So sponsor their event, their live event. So, you know, they do some ads in their show, but they also really help them. They help them put on like a parade in New Orleans one year. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think people can get really, really creative and look to different industries. So what do people in the event space do? Or, you know, look outside of just podcasting because it is a really special medium and there's so many opportunities and you're exactly right. Like, you're pulling together this very specific audience where if you can find somebody that's in the sweet spot of that, you can make something really amazing happen together. That's the key. And it's also catering to the needs of your audience too, right? It's niche content that they have an interest in. It's just finding that niche that, that works best for your business and, and what, you, what you're trying to accomplish too. It's, you know, starting a podcast is not a whole lot different than starting a small business. I mean, and that's kind of how you have to think about it is, you know, how do you market a small business? Small businesses tend to be very niche focused service businesses or products businesses. Uh, really, a podcast is, is very similar to that and can be supportive of a product or services business uh, because of the similarities in the, in the targeting and the reach of the type of program and building trust relationships also builds um, customer trust, too. So there, there, there's a lot of similarities between uh, starting a podcast and starting a small business that ride along with each other and benefit each other. Well, I know we're coming up to the end of our time here and we've had a really wide ranging conversation. Is there anything that you'd kind of like to leave us with to think about as we wrap this up, you know, some advice to podcasters or some something that kind of food for thought to mull, chew on as we uh, go through the rest of our day today? Well, I think as we see the impacts of the world around us happen here, with this virus and how we're all kind of uh, sequestered in our homes, in our apartments, or wherever we happen to be just for our own personal safety and keeping others safe. This is an opportunity to, to utilize the, the, the internet and the web to connect with people and to create content and to find a, maybe a, you know, a new type of um, life for, for more people that is less um, out there working in restaurants or working in um, gathering places um, that um, maybe unfortunately today are maybe un, you know maybe unsafe to some degree, which is really sad to see this happen in the world right now. But this is also an opportunity for uh, what we've all been working on building, and that's the the internet and the web and what it's capable of doing of connecting the globe to each other, and that's. That's a factor that uh, can't be underestimated right now. As you think about, you know, getting supplies to your home, you know, the, the internet is going to just be such a benefit to so many hundreds of millions of people. Um, it's unfortunate those that can't connect to the internet to tap into this, but uh, it can really make make a huge difference in in um, the the spread of this virus. And hopefully, we can we can keep it suppressed. But in the meantime. Uh, I think a lot of us may have a lot of extra time that we can spend um, creating a podcast. So um, around their passions and you know, see what you can create for yourself. I think that's really beautiful. We were, we were talking before we started recording about a friend of mine whose teenage son just started a podcast while he's home from school. And I just, when I think about things, you know, it's like those little moments I've been working really hard to find just like little moments of things to be grateful for. And I have so much gratitude for the people out there creating and releasing content right now and uplifting our spirits and 
the creative spirit that people can find in moments like these to come together. So I love that those were your final words. Well, um, you can check out Rob's podcast, The New Media Show, for a lot more commentary and insight into the podcast industry at a whole. And you can find that at newmediashow.com or of course, wherever you listen to podcasts. Rob, we haven't talked too much about your <laughs> the rest of your work um, with Lisbon or anything like that. Is there anywhere else that um, you want to send people to as they're looking for more information um, following up on our conversation today? Yeah. I mean, if you... If you're interested in starting a podcast, there's a variety of podcast hosts out there that you can you can connect up with depending on what your needs are. If you want to do live streaming or if you want to do a, a show live on you know like a Streamyard or a Zoom, and then there's podcasting platforms like Libsyn.com and that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, and uh, it's it's really inexpensive to start a show, and all you need is a good microphone and just kind of like what we're doing here today, and you can. You can have have your own show out there about the your passions and be a good distraction from what's happening in the world right now. And you can connect with real people, and I think that's 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 a powerful thing. Yeah, and it's a, it's like a great platform, great company. There's also podcast that <laughs> Libsyn puts out that's really good information too. So I highly and thank you for correcting my pronunciation. That I always do that wrong. I wonder if other people do that too. It's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, they actually do. That's right, which is okay. And um, j- j- just to share too, the the Lipson name is actually a kind of a shortened name for what the real company's name is, and that's Liberated Syndication. And if you think about what the concept behind that is, is when the medium started in 2004, which is um, you know the company's been around since the very beginning of podcasting, uh, it was really about liberating syndication of content. And that's, that's what they named the company because that's what the company is all about. That is going to help me pronounce them correctly in the future. Thank you so much. I'm sure everybody listening just went, oh, (laughs) awesome. Well, thank you very, very much for sharing all of this with us, talking about a little bit of the evolution of podcasting and calming some of my own fears about some of the things that might happen. I'm feeling much more level-headed about that now and much more optimistic. And I really appreciate all your time today. So thank you so much. 